welcome to Revolutionary Health, the show that focuses on Black gay men's health and wellness. I'm back. I'm Michael Ward, the host of the show. I'm so excited for part two of our prep series, and I've got some very exciting guests that will be joining us tonight. But as always, make sure that you share this live video, ask us questions because we want to hear from you and make this interactive. Things that you want to know about prep, things that you may not have heard, or just general overall comments as we continue to talk about this topic. Um, make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, comment um, at CNP Tribe on all our social media. And as well, share this video if you want to. Um, so without further ado, I will bring in my panelists for this evening as we talk about prep and introduce them as well. Because we've got some new folks to the show, some first timers that you all will be very excited to meet um, tonight and some people that you've seen before coming back. So if we can bring in Dennis Hardy, who is a graduate student in Georgia State University's Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies program and is a person involved in sex work. And he concentrates on building narratives that highlight and honor the experiences of black men, primarily gay or queer, engaged in sex work. And he also hosts In Call, Out Call, the podcast, which features issues and voices from black men involved in sex work. And so he wants to shift the way we think about men in the sex work field and make sure that we remember their voices because their work has allowed us to come together at times and talk some of us about our pleasures and desires. So welcome to the show, Dennis. So very excited that you are back here as a member of the CMP tribe. Hey, <laughs> How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me back. Um, I wasn't expecting to be so close. So I'm like, oh, let me back up. <laughs> Come on. This is as close as we can get right now with COVID. And next up, we've got Jaron Totten, who is a native of Reesville, North Carolina, is a graduate of James Benson Dudley High School and North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University. Gotta love the pride. I love it. Totten currently resides in Detroit, Michigan, professionally has spent over seven years in political organizing, having served on both the Obama and Hillary Clinton presidential campaigns. Come on, kudos. He is a current social outreach coordinator and legislative advocacy specialist at LGBT Detroit, North America's largest African-American found and led LGBT nonprofit organization. So show him a little bit love first time to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, I'm really, uh, let me get myself centered in this camera. It looks different with everybody side by side, but I'm doing, I'm doing well. I really appreciate you guys having me on today and I'm looking forward to, to a great conversation. Good. I'm excited to have you here too. And last but not least, brother after my own heart has the same name as myself, Michael Chansley. We got to love him. MSW is a black queer social worker, prep user, and HIV advocate from New Orleans, Louisiana currently residing in Decatur, where it's greater, and he spent seven years diligently working to develop programs to help others access HIV testing, HIV treatment, PrEP, and other sexual health resources. And Michael serves as the current administrator of PrEP Facts, Rethinking HIV Prevention and Sex, which is an international, international people, Facebook group with over 21,000 members worldwide who are PrEP advocates navigators, medical providers, and users who come together to educate and seek information about PrEP. But that's not it. He also serves as a greater than AIDS ambassador, participating in the Power by PrEP and Stay Connected, Stay Healthy nationwide social marketing campaigns to promote PrEP and HIV awareness. Come on. How are you doing, Michael? 
I'm doing great. Besides the rainy weather, I'm staying upbeat, you know, and excited to be online tonight. So <laughs> good. And I'm excited to have you as well, too. Man after my own heart, like I said, we have the same name. But as you heard from their bios, we have a very diverse and interesting Black excellence here to talk about prep. So I want to jump back right back into it um, with prep two series. Um, and we'll just start again, like I did with you, Dennis. Um, what motivated you to get on prep? What was that decision like? Um, what motivated me to get back on prep? Um, very on, very on, very early on when I started to engage in sex, I uh, I was aware of the type of sex I wanted to engage in, um, but I felt I felt like you, you weren't able to do it right because your life is so, um, especially when you're black and queer, um, your life is so. Um, the medical institution is, is, is so thoroughly woven through your life that it's like, you know, you can't do this because you are this biological threat, right? And so you have to make sure you continue. So you have to make sure you're a responsible person and don't do it. And um, so you keep everybody else safe. So well, all that homophobic and um, HIV stigma that, that thoroughly, like, I had to deal with all the time uh, um, really you know, one made me fearful to even engage in sex a, a lot of times. And then, um, like I said, I, I knew what kind of sex I wanted to have. Um, and so when prep came around, it was like, you know, I was already watching, you know. And then, and then also when I was coming of age, that, that's when you start to have the, like, the proliferation of, of, you know, porn that then featured um, condomless sex as well. So it was like, you know, people were out there doing it. I wanted to do it. How was I going to be allowed to do it? And then prep came along. And um, I read about it first, like in the New York Times. Um, but then I had a partner who was uh, who was living with HIV, and then it was like, well, now I have to get on it, and um, you know, they had to like, travel outside my community <laughs> to another community to then go find it, and then once I did, then I was like, okay, here we go. And we're gonna touch on that a little bit later once we get into access that you had to travel outside of your community to make sure that you were getting prep. So we're we're gonna come back to that, uh, Michael. What about you? What motivated you to get on prep? So around, um, around the same time that PrEP came about, I also started working in a field um, of HIV. I had volunteered for off and on for many years. I had participated in all of the, you know, interventions that the nonprofits, they give you a gift card if you participate. So I consider myself very knowledgeable. And then when I actually got into the field, I realized I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, you know, I just knew like use a condom and get tested every six months and then getting into the field, doing my internship in a clinic, it was, and, you know, becoming an HIV tester. It was like, oh, wait, I'm starting to see people living with HIV who look just like me. It's not, I guess I had fooled myself into believing, you know, even with all of the, you know, stuff that I learned that people living with HIV looked a certain way. So it was like, I never saw myself as somebody at risk until that point. And then it was like, oh, you, you've done some things that you can be on the other end of this desk getting those results that you just gave somebody, you know, um, one day. So, and this was around the same time that prep came about. Um, I think what was interesting was I know some people, it was hard for them to kind of digest. Um, we tell people prevention looks one way and now we're telling people to take a pill because it all kind of coincided 
with me entering the field at the same time. And I was just like an open vessel ready to learn so much. It was like, oh, wait, I can get this pill and prevent acquiring HIV. Like, oh, I'm sold on it. And it wasn't until I, you know, I started posting about it on Facebook and stuff. And it wasn't until then I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of controversial. I thought this was just the new wave. So uh, that's kind of how I started. Just again, through the work I was doing, I started really seeing myself and the same people that I was serving. And I was like, well, I want to take this extra step to prevent um, acquiring HIV. Thank you. What about you, Jer? Um, I'm, I'm kind of um, echoing what, what the young brother said uh, at the top. Um, is that I, I knew I liked to have sex a certain kind of way. Um, and when I found out about PrEP, um, I, I immediately got on PrEP. Uh, adherence was horrible, by the way. Uh, but about two months after I started PrEP, uh, I heard about the, um, the trial, clinical trial for the injectable PrEP. And quickly got on that as well, because I was like, well, if I'm not going to remember to take it every day, I can, you know, remember that they're going to, you know, call me about three times to come to an appointment to get like, my shot so definitely definitely i think especially a lot of the conversations and things that i hear from people that are on prep and i pose this question on my uh instagram as well is kind of what do people want to know about prep or what concerns do they have or just any any suggestions and most of it is around adherence people are like i don't want to take one pill a day every single day what if i forget to take a pill what if you know all of these things i don't want to take any more uh medicine than i absolutely have to you know when it comes to prep and i think that's an incredible option that people do have um as the study continues and it rolls along and as well since we have you here you are part of the cmp prep life series and you talked a little bit about um the injectable study so we're just gonna give you a little shine a little spotlight um, with the video. So we're going to play a clip from that. Like I said, I just didn't want to spring it on you and surprise it. So uh, everybody out there, hold tight. We're just going to play the video. Like I said, if you have any questions, comments, we're live. As you heard, we've got wonderful Black excellence here. So sit tight. We'll be right back after the video. Um, once every two months, I received that injectable form. And on the study, um, while you were on the study, you did not know whether it was um, just a saline solution or the actual um, drug itself. So they kept you on Truvada throughout the duration of the study. Um, but when I ended the study, I found out that I was actually on um, that particular medication. And so when you stop doing the, the injectable form, that medicine stays in your body up to two years. And we're back. Thank you so much for allowing us to say that, Jaren. I think that is definitely a great resource and tool for people, like I said, that don't want to take prep every day. We build the future and uh, what this looks like so we can keep ourselves definitely healthy um, out there. And I just want to ask as well, when it comes to using prep and having these conversations with your doctor, mm -hmm. do you feel like it factors into your overall health um, at all? I'll start with you, Jaren. So I, I think I've been very fortunate um, to have um, um, uh, medical service providers that were very knowledgeable. Um, they talked me through everything. I remember when I first got on PrEP, um, the, the doctor gave me his phone number and he said, if you have, this is what you're going to experience. 
if it goes beyond this amount of days, call me. And I think I had like the first day of side effects and I was already calling the doctor. Um, but they 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 were I was I was fortunate. I didn't want to as fortunate to have good good medical service providers as I have that really took the time to walk me through that process. What about you, Michael? We got you on mute. I want to I want to hear what you say. I was I mean, you know, as men, we don't always go to the doctor as frequent frequently as we need to. So I was one of those people who I only went when I was sick um, prior to getting on prep, even though I had been sexually active for 10 years, I had only gotten an STI screening one time. So um, never really engaged in healthcare. And then my 30th birthday hit. That's when I decided to get on prep. And it's also um, what was like, had to go to my primary care provider. And it was like, okay, first I have to figure out how to find a primary care provider. Um, Cause that was something I had never done before. Um, you know, and it actually helped me tap into other health issues. You know, I was able to get referrals for mental health services, something that I would not, if not for seeing a provider to get on prep, I wouldn't have had those conversations to um, address mental health issues, to address um, blood pressure, you know, okay, you need to watch what you eat now. So all of those kind of things. So in addition to tying into my sexual health, it kind of made me look at my health more holistically as well. So it was like, now I get SCI screenings much more frequently as a part of prep. I, you know, I'm going and making sure that everything else that's working with my body is working the way that it's supposed to be working as well. So. Awesome. Dennis in pink. <laughs> um, as someone who does sex work, you know, I don't, uh, I don't normally have, um, insurance. I have insurance now through my school, but it's not very good. Um, so for me, uh, prep is completely separate from the rest of my health. Um, the only, cause I go through like, you know, uh, um, either like a nonprofit. Now I go through the, uh, Fulton County. <clears throat> so the only thing we touch on is, you know, um, what's your kidneys looking like, um, and your sexual health, uh, history. Like we're going to test you for this, that, and the third, um, everything else is, you know, out outside, uh, the box so um that's now and then when i first started i i had a federal government job i was i worked for usps um and the insurance wasn't great and didn't really you know they have lots of different insurances the insurance i had at the time uh wasn't great um so 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 yeah that's kind of been my experience while i've been on prep um at that time i was in new york so there was lots uh you can take advantage of a lot of other um you know new york has like that old infrastructure from dealing with um HIV, right, you know, HIV right in the beginning throughout the 80s and then the 90s, I mean, you know, now they're destroying it, but, um, so, you know, you had those things where you, where you can still go and, and get, like, care for other things, um, so that was up there, but now that I live in Atlanta, it's, um, it's like, I could just go for this one thing, and everything else is like, maybe I'll pay out of pocket, it depends, <laughs> you know, if, if, um, if I think it's that serious. Yeah. And to follow up on what you were saying earlier about that you had to leave your neighborhood, is that one of the reasons why you were saying that you had to leave your neighborhood to access the clinic in New York? Is that what you were referring to? Yeah. So I, so I, got, on, I got on prep right at uh, the early days of prep. So like pretty early on, New York City was like, everybody's gonna, everybody who, who we think needs to get on prep is going to get on prep. So it was like on buses, it was like everything. Um, but the 
the hospital closest to me was on um, Kings County Hospital, so City Hospital. Um, the nurses in there never heard of um, PEP or PrEP. <laughs> so when you go in, so when you went in there and you're like, oh, well, the first time I went in there because I wanted to, um, I needed um, PEP, and they're like, that's not a thing. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> um, and um, you know, they were like, I was like, you know, I, I feel like I've been, I feel like you know, I've been exposed, blah blah. blah. Um, and I, and I, you know, I want to, you know, take PEP um, just in case. And they're like, well, that's not a thing. And then um, after that, I was like, you know, um, well, this thing, PEP is a thing. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> so I had to like just get up. And actually, you know, amazingly, all I had to do was go across the street um, to um, also, well, that's a, so the city hospital on one side, then there's a state hospital across the street um, with this. This white queer doctor who is there, the only person who is doing prep, and um, you will come in there, and you will go all the way to the back of the hospital, and um, and that's how I first got on it, and then I had to start going um, other places because they were just they just gave it to you on like um, they felt like it was I don't know they classified it as an emergency. They were like you know we're gonna give you we're gonna like, we can give you three we can give you three fourteen day prescriptions, and um, before we have to send you some somewhere else. Wow, definitely thank you for sharing your experience with that. And I think that's important for us to tell those stories because I'm gonna get into barriers um to healthcare and a lot of a lot of what I am hearing are barriers for people getting on prep. But I want to involve everybody that's watching out here. We've got some incredible comments. I'm here in the chat. As I said, I'm sitting with Dennis Hardy, Michael Chancey, Jaron Tott. And so ask away, comment, let us know how you're feeling. Um, but Jordan Barnes asked, um, how do we still continue the conversation about sexual health? or does it even matter uh, with us? So I wanna loop you in, Michael. How do you feel about that? You back on mute. Yeah. Um, actually, and like I said earlier, I actually, I, I feel like we have so much judgment around just our sexuality as like queer people, because I mean, you didn't start seeing you know, gay people on TV, when I look at reruns, you didn't see it prior to the HIV epidemic. So I think the kind of that being queer is becoming like more mainstream, more acceptable in the mainstream. Also, while we're um, being stigmatized due to these sexual health issues, I feel like sometimes the needle moves a little bit because I was sexually active for 10 years. And like I said, I only had a STI screening once because it was like, you want to get tested for HIV, you want to get tested for HIV. Nobody told, talked to me about cephalus, gonorrhea, chlamydia, herpes, or any of these other STIs. So now we have this wonder drug, you know, PrEP, and it's like all of a sudden, well, what about the other STIs? What about the other STIs? It's like, where, where were y'all when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, and I didn't know how to get tested for any of these other STIs, you know? So um, I think we can still have those conversations with PrEP. Um, you know, it's just, it's adding an extra tool to our prevention toolbox, as some people like to say, but I don't, I don't really, I, I know sometimes it's kind of like, oh, we have to worry about these other issues now, but these issues existed before PrEP. Like, um, you know, Dennis said he, you know, we saw raw porn before prep, you know, so we knew people enjoy, you know, condomless sex. So it's, I mean, it just, I don't know, it just kind of baffles my mind anytime I'm in one of these meetings or one of these prep awareness events. And it's always somebody who stands up and he's like, well, what about other STIs? It's like, well, we 
have, you know, we can we get tested and we get treated and we talk to our partners about those STIs, the same things um, that we encourage doing, you know, if somebody was not on PrEP. Mm-hmm. Can, uh, can I just jump in? Of course. Come on, jump in. Uh, yeah, I, I think we tend to think about people we think about we think that we tend to think about health as like a, a singular thing. Like there is there is this thing called health, and you, you should strive to um, always be that. Like this is what health is. This is how it's defined. Instead of thinking of thinking of it as um, people can decide with um, how to navigate their own health and how to navigate uh, what lines up for them. So if like me as somebody involved in sex work and as somebody who like let's say if I'm doing condomless scenes, I, you know I'm okay with um, coming in contact with other things, but that I also go get tested once a month. Um, you know, because cause that, cause that's the decision I made um, for myself. And you know, knock on wood, is this wood? I don't know. Um, <laughs> that, that most of the time is fine. Um, you know, but, but it, 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 it seems very, um, I think like Michael said, it, 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 it's a very, it, it's, it's very weird. Like you know, what about other things? There's other things. There's other things. A lot of times, you still can't even. You know, you you still can't do anything about herpes. A lot of times, you still can't do something about syphilis. A lot of times, so it's like those other things are still going to be there. Um, you know, if and chlamydia, like you're going to get chlamydia, but chlamydia is very common. Um, and so I take it. Also, I also I want to say I said I, you know, I was talking about um, uh. When I first got on prep, and I used the word "exposed," I wanted to change that and say "I um, came in contact with." I want to make sure I'm using people in first language, um, always. Um, first yeah. language, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. That is that is very important in the conversation that we do use people first language, and I want to touch on that as well uh, because one of the questions that I had is I see so often people are like, oh, the girls are lying because they say they on PrEP or, you know, they feel like PrEP is this super drug that just kills everything. And what about the other STIs and things like that? So I just wanted to ask, have any of you all encountered any stigmatizing, excuse me, comments about being on PrEP or even when you're having these conversations in your friend groups or even sexual partners uh, about your use of PrEP? Is that stigmatizing? Um, or have you ever encountered that? Oh, we got it. I, I think so. Um, I've I've had conversations with people, you know, and they've said to me, you know, you you are on prep because you're a hoe, or you on prep because you want to have raw sex, and uh, and, then, and then of course I get the what about the other STIs talk, and you know I, I believe that there's risk in everything. Um, I can still wear my mask and contract COVID. Um, I can. Um, have sex with a condom on, but if I put my mouth on something that ain't all the way right, I can still get an STI. And so it's it's about one, assessing your risk, and two, consistently getting tested so that we track and trace whatever it is that's going around. That's that's anything that's a disease. Thank you. And we saw the church finger from you, Michael. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know, the first time I remember actually encountering stigma around PrEP was actually when, you know, I felt like I did something good when I got on PrEP, especially because I had just gotten the field. And so, you know, I was telling everybody about it. Oh, there's this pill you can take. And I remember telling somebody who was a mentor to me and the exact words that came out of their mouth was, 
well, you should know better. And I was kind of like baffled, like, what do you mean I should know better? Well, you've, you know how to prevent HIV. So why do you need prep? It's like, wait, okay. I'm like, wait. And, and again, I hadn't encountered that stigma before. So it coming from somebody who in the field who I looked up to as a mentor, I, I, I didn't even know how to navigate that conversation like I would you know know how to navigate it now like uh you know definitely if you come to me with a stigmatizing uh situation I can definitely come back with a rebuttal now you know but I didn't have those tools um and knowledge at that time so um and just kind of going back to what you were talking about I just it's funny because you know I mean some people's behavior changes on prep some people their behavior doesn't change I'll be transparent and honest my behaviors did change once I got on prep. Um, and when I got my STI results, I was like, I almost like laughed. It was like, wait, I got oral gonorrhea. Like all of it, you know, all of these years I, you know, consistently used condoms, got on prep, condom usage diminished after a while. And I got something that I would have gotten if I wasn't on prep and using condoms anyway. So it was like, you know, and I'm actually, you know, I mean, full transparency is like when I'm talking to people and talking to them about prep, I tell that story because it's like, if I can't be, I don't want to, I don't want to just be the HIV counselor or social worker. I want to be transparent about my experiences as well. And like, um, like you said, you can wear a mask and still get COVID. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't practice certain practices to reduce our risk of COVID. Same thing as far as our sexual health. We have all of these tools. It's up to you and your partner which tools you decide you want to use. Yeah, um, I want to say that's exactly, you know, earlier it was like, you know, you got on prep because you're a hoe. Because like, that's exactly why I got on prep because I am a hoe and I do want to have this type of sex. So it's like, um, why are you trying to like shame me? Also, I think I think that that conversation of like, what about these other things is kind of really neoliberal because like, then it places the responsibility on me solely instead of thinking about things like carceral spaces. Like what about the fact that people are, are you know, that STIs and stuff don't, don't happen like just randomly because you, because you made like the, this wrong decision or something like that. They happen because you have inadequate, you know, healthcare because with, within your community, you can't get, you can't get treated. So that, so therefore if you're on Jack and then you're having sex with people, other people who are two miles away from you and they have an STI, then other people want to have these STIs because of racism, <laughs> because we don't have healthcare because of all, all, all those other things. So if you care about that, then do something about that because I because I also think about, about the fact that like white men are known to have more, you know, research has shown have more sexual partners, use condoms less. And yet their STI rate has gone down. I, th- I think now it's it's going it's going up, but but goes down. Um for a long time it was going down. And so we have to we have to talk about those those type of things. Um and, and, and so like the, the conversation just just doesn't stop there. You and so for me, I, I, I and for me, I do encounter this um, this stigma, like right, like like oh, you're on prep, um, especially as somebody who's black and queer, especially as somebody who does sex work. It's like you know, it's not that you, you are going to get something; it's that you have to be, you have to make sure you're the extra, extra, extra responsible person because you know you are the risk to the rest of the community. Um, which, like I said earlier, like that, like that's some bullshit. <laughs> Um, because you know, have, have these other conversations. Um, 
Yeah, and I definitely, and I don't want to interrupt, in, no interrupt God, but you, let's just touch on that because um, as I was saying, a lot of a lot of black queer men that I encountered talk about these barriers. You know, right now racism, of course, was a very hot topic and always has been, but we don't talk about this enough, the barriers to getting people on prep, right? Uh, once we encounter the stigma, once we get over those things, we also have to, you know, encounter co-pays or navigating or culturally competent doctors, a lot of these things, like you said, you have to travel outside of your area. So I, I just, I, I know right now you said your insurance is not the best um, that you have, but as far as getting access to prep and things like that, um, I just want to, oh, we have a great comment. I'm just looking at it. <laughs> Jordan said, yes, stand in it. Awesome comment. Thank you, Jordan. Um, but as far as barriers to accessing prep, um, I know that you touched on it, Dennis, but um, with Jaren and Michael, what barriers have you experienced of any trying to access prep and get on prep? I'll, I'll say again, I've I've been super fortunate. Um, I don't I don't take that for granted um, that uh, I've had the insurance to be able to get uh, prep. Insurance doesn't pay for condoms, and um, I've been very fortunate to to have a provider that's knowledgeable of prep. And so, I mean, I, I would like to see in the future is that we deregulate it, make it an over-the-counter and open to everybody. Make it free for the people. <laughs> Any other, anybody else want to comment on that as well? Um, um, as it was said, like, fortunately, when I found out about PrEP, I was in my field. So I've always had good insurance. Um, when I, I wouldn't say good. I work nonprofits. So I'll say I've always had at least decent to good insurance that would cover prep. Um, so the most problems I've run into was misinformation on the side of the provider. And I'm like, uh, my first provider who prescribed prep for me, she had never heard of it. I actually had to go on a CDC website and print out the guidelines for physicians and like bring, you know, send that to her. Um, and she read over it. She called me back a few days later and she was like, okay, I had never heard of this before, but I'll prescribe it for you. Um, you know, and as you switch providers for different reasons, I've had, um, providers who talk to me like, I'm 12 and just taking a sex ed course. And I'm like, mm. I do this every day. I know what I'm, you know, I, I don't need you to tell me what kind of sex I should and should not um be having you know or even having providers who didn't know what labs to get they're just um you know as it, it was almost kind of like once i remember once it was a benefit you know and a curse at the same time it was like okay you want a prescription for truvada fine i'll write it and i was like okay you know am i can i get an sti screening and you know he was like well we did your blood work that's okay i'm like no, I still need to like get my oral swab, my rectal swab, my urine sample. Uh, you know, so that was kind of like, you know, an issue too. So um, luckily I have a provider now who she's amazing. Like she's very sex positive. She's non-judgmental. We can um, joke. I had a non-STI related infection um, and she prescribed uh, some 
she prescribed something for me and she was like, yeah, I don't know what your results are going to be, but just in case you do have syphilis when it comes back, this is good for syphilis um, and chlamydia too. And I was like, wait, I wasn't ready for like that conversation because I've never had a provider who's just been so, you know, sex positive. Um, so definitely I always encourage people advocate for yourself. Um, you'll encounter those providers who, um, may not want to prescribe PrEP or they may shame you or they may give you misinformation. Um, I always tell people, you know, request that it's put in your medical record, you know, like, um, is that provider willing to come back and say, if they told you something that you believe is not true, is that provider willing to, um, have that be a part of your official medical record, you know, um, if they're telling you the wrong thing. And so, um, and just advocate for yourself. At the end of the day, they're getting paid by writing you prescriptions. So if you are feeling like you're being judged, stigmatized, or anything like that, speak up for yourself. I mean, what are they going to do? Fire you? you? I mean, it's the other way around, you know? It's like, right. if they're not serving you the way that you need to be served, that's one less patient that they have, you know? I just want to jump in real quick because I know we have to wrap up because you, you talked about access and, and things like that. When we talk about access, you can't, I can't help but think about people in the South, right? Because I had those barriers in New York, but I was still able to navigate them because there was transportation, because, you, you know, like I, I could get around. Um, but when we think about, the, you know, where's that population that, that, that's still um, having these high rates of conversion? Where, where do people have lack of, of transportation? Where do, have, where do people... Um, where people need it the most, right? And that happens in the South, it happens in black communities in the South. And so when we so when we talk about access, we have to talk about um, um, the structural issues that happen here in Georgia, that happen here in Texas, that happen all, that happen, um, all over, you know, happen all over the United States, but really here in the South. And so, and so, there's, and so there's a lot that, that, that we need to take care of. Um, I know when I came down here, I didn't, I first, when I first came down here, I didn't have a car because I was like, you know, I don't like cars, you know, I'm a New Yorker. But then it was like, no, well, there's four places to get prep for free, and taking Mario is like two hours out of your day, one way. So it's four hours. <laughs> um, and if I wasn't like dedicated to going get to going and getting that, and it was like, or like if it wasn't close to my campus um, at the time, it was like you know, I would just been you know asked out. Um, so I just think about that. Absolutely. Definitely, thank you. Thank you, all gentlemen. Or <laughs> we think using your voice and your story is so important. As you said, the barriers is a social justice issue with us getting to prep. And if we're looking forward to ending the HIV epidemic, this is one tool that we can definitely use. So once again, thank you all for joining in this conversation. This felt like not enough time as always, um, but let's keep this conversation outside of this chat in your friend groups and your Facebook groups, um, we, <laughs> all of those places. Um, but any last thoughts, comments, concerns, cares um, from you gentlemen? Start with you, Dan. Start with you since you're on. The <laughs> I, I, just, I just wanted to thank uh, County Narrative Project for for the opportunity to be with you guys tonight. Uh, special shout out to Charles Stevens. Uh, I heard he was named uh, 100 most influential LGBTQ persons in in Georgia. So congratulations, Charles. Yes, Michael. <laughs> um. Definitely, I, 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 if you are not on prep, I definitely encourage just, you know, I mean, it may or may not be for everybody, but you owe yourself to at least find out more information about it. If you feel stigmatized, remember at the end of the day, um, 
you're the one who has to deal with your health. So whoever doesn't like it, if they want to call you a whore or they want to call you any other names, um, remember, they don't have to deal with your health. You have to deal with your health. Um, so, and also if you, uh, we mentioned earlier, if you're not a member of the group and you want to find out more information about PrEP, um, there is the PrEP Facts, uh, Rethinking HIV Prevention and Sex. Um, just put in PrEP Facts in the Facebook search box and send a request. We'll accept you, and the number is growing and growing in every day. So, <laughs> Save the best for last. Come on, Dennis. Um, I just, you know, one co-sign, co you know, um, shout out to CMP, shout out to Charles, that's huge. Um, and if you want to get on prep and somebody like you know judges you for that decision and like judge and calls you a whore, um, you can DM me because I fight hoes. <laughs> so like, we, that. we about to go into the holiday season. It's about to be <laughs> no fighting of the hoes. Brandon, thank you so much for your comment. He says thank you so much to all of you for taking the time to help further educate our community uh, advocates and allies. We need more conversations like this and more often. So thank you for tuning in, Brandon. To everyone else out there that tuned into the show, um, follow us on all our socials at CMP Tribe. Let's keep this conversation going. As we go into this holiday season, we wanna make sure that we're safe, healthy, and protect ourselves and take care of yourselves and be safe, you all. Until next time, be good to yourself. Bye.